I'm Alan Wharton. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on March the 19th, 2012. For newcomers, go into the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com and help yourself to the free audios there. There's hundreds to choose from, and if you go through enough of them, you'll start to understand that you're living in a planned society, a planned present, a planned future. And in fact, their future goes off and the planning works into 100, 200 years ahead. And in fact, that's how powerful people run the world in organizations and foundations. Remember, too, that some foundations outlast any of our lives, the last generations of hiring and using and retiring people and recruiting. And they can go on for hundreds of years. Some of them have already. And they always start off with their agenda. They never lose track of, this, of where they're going. And regardless of uh, the generation or the political parties in power, uh, these incredibly wealthy uh, big foundations keep going. And they also work with other foundations of the same ilk, and they fund front uh, foundations as well, which are nothing more than money laundering uh, facilities to finance the big NGO armies that are all, all across the planet. So... Go through the website and help yourselves and hopefully understand how every thought that you have, every everything you're pushed to do that's allowed, for instance, is actually pushed by the ones at the top. All your, 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 the things that make you pretty well happy. Every generation is catered for new, for their news and for their music and for their fashion. Everything is, is catered for in the cultural arena. Even Plato talked about that a long time ago. So nothing's really new under the sun. It's just that they're, they're going all the way now for the totally controlled society. So remember, too, you are the audience that bring me to you. You can help me keep going by buying the books and discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And from the U.S. to Canada, remember, you can still use a personal check or an international postal money order from the post office or you can send cash or use PayPal. Across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram, and once again, PayPal. And what I do is go back into the past to show you the organizations uh, that uh, run the world, every facet of your culture, including your religions too, and nothing's left alone, and how they've been altered down through the generations as well for today's society. And... Um, I show you the founding of some of the foundations and the organizations that now really run the world. They have as much power, if not more, than governments. In fact, the Council on Foreign Relations puts its own presidents in power, and nobody has been in power as a president in the U.S. since the late 1800s. It was not a member of this group, even before it was it turned its name into the Council on Foreign Relations. And Professor Carl Quigley talked about that. He was their, founda- their uh, historian for the foundation, and had access to all their private records, and he published it in a book, Tragedy and Hope, and his other book was called The Anglo-American Establishment, something you have to look into because you won't understand why things are going the way they are today if you haven't read The Anglo-American Establishment. 
But it's just astonishing, as I say, that the, how they can give you a completely fake history in school. Even Winston Churchill talked about this organization and how they did that in his day and age. He says the ones who are perpetrating wars and, uh, and fomenting wars uh, are also the ones who are writing the history books for the children because they owned the publishing houses. They had all the contracts with the schools and educational systems. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed at all. In fact, there's probably more control over it now than ever before because they have hardly any com- competition to put everybody else out of business. To control the world, you must monopolize everything in any particular and every area. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix, and everyone is getting a bit upset about the latest uh, executive order that went through the United States from Barack Obama. And um, it's really a, a continuation of ongoing, uh, the same ongoing bills actually. I'll put that up tonight because um, in one, one article it puts up, uh, I'll put it up, it says, a side-by-side analysis of Obama's order compared to Clinton's conducted by Ed Morrissey of HotAir.com reveals Obama's orders essentially an update to reflect changes in government agency structure. This is one takes a look at the EO 12919. The big change is in the cabinet itself, Morrissey writes. In 1994, we didn't have a Department of Homeland Security, for instance, and some of these functions would naturally fall to the DHS. In EO 12919, the FEMA director had those responsibilities, and the biggest change between the two is the removal of several preferences to FEMA in all. There's 10, uh, 10 in all. Otherwise, there aren't a lot of changes between the two EOs, which look mainly like boilerplate, it says. But it actually has a comparison to the updating and who updated what, when, and so on. Uh, it says here, as it turns out, Obama's order is nearly identical to EO 12919, issued by President Clinton on June the 7th, 94, which itself was an amendment to EO 10789, issued by 1958, by President Eisenhower, and which, in fact, was later amended by EO 13286, issued in 2003 by George W. Bush. But it is, of course, a, a plan really to take over in times of complete martial law. I say complete martial law because technically we're really all in it. And um, they keep updating these things to make sure they keep giving themselves the legal power to do it just by saying so. That's what an executive order really is, isn't it? Uh, It's amazing too. I've always noticed that governments who want to do things simply make it a law that they can do something so that it's not illegal. And can you imagine if you had the personal power to do that and anything you wanted to do, you just made a law and suddenly it was law. And you could do anything you wanted. That's what governments do. Now, the CIA chief said, we'll spy on you through your dishwasher and many other things as well. And this article is, is, is no joke, actually. This is more and more personal and household devices are connecting to the Internet, from your television to your car navigation systems to your light switches. CIA Director David Petraeus cannot wait to spy on you through them. Earlier this month, Petraeus mused about the emergence of an Internet of Things. That's the term that IBM gave to it. Everything's connected. Every 
every, every article is electronic, it will be connected to every other electronic article. They communicate and pass data on to the big boys that are watching you. It says, that is wired devices at a summit for InQtel, the CIA's venture capital firm. Transformational is an overused word, but I do believe it properly applies to these technologies. Petraeus enthused. He's really enthusiastic about this because we spy on everybody then, particularly to their effect on clandestine tradecraft. All those new online devices are a treasure trove of data if you're a person of interest. And that's the term they always use, you see, and that can cover anything at all for, for any potential thought of a, of, of a crime, potential crime, even, even using the wrong wording or derogatory comments about government, for instance, that, that immediately flags you when you, you see anything that they pretend is to, to be as anti-government. flags you immediately. That's on the phone or anywhere. Any means, it doesn't matter. Once upon a time, spies had to place a bug in your chandelier to hear your conversation. With the rise of the smart home, you'll be sending tagged, uh, geolocated data that a spy agency can intercept in real time. And when you use the lighting app on your phone to adjust uh, adjust your living room's ambience, that's for the ones that can afford it, I guess. Items of interest will be located, identified, monitored, and remotely controlled through technologies such as radio frequency identification, sensor networks. And that, that, that Radio frequency identification is through your clothing and everything, folks. They even have the chips inside the, 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 the soles of your shoes. And it says sensor networks, tiny embedded servers and energy harvesters. But tiny embedded servers, eh? And energy harvesters, all connected to the next generation internet using abundant, low-cost and high-power computing. Petraeus said, the latter are now going to cloud computing in many areas, uh, greater and greater supercomputing, and ultimately heading to quantum computing. Petraeus allowed that these household spy devices change our notions of secrecy and prompt a rethink of our notions of identity and secrecy. In other words, they're telling you, here's the new normal, folks. Uh, you have no uh, right to secrecy of any kind uh, whatsoever. This is all of which is true if convenient for a CIA director. And there's no privacy at all either. Mind you, you keep buying all the junk that, they, that you want. In fact, the same guy said too, they don't have a hard time doing this because uh, the children and a lot of the adults are addicted to the gadgetry. Not baddie. So the CIA has a lot of legal restrictions against spying on American citizens. It doesn't stop them, does it? But collecting ambient geolocation data for services or devices is a greater area, especially after the 2008 carve-outs to the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. Hardware manufacturers, it turns out, store a trove of, of geolocation data, and some legislators have grown alarmed at how easy it is for the government to track you through your phone or PlayStation. That's not the only data exploit uh, intriguing Petraeus. He's interested in creating new online identities for his undercover spies and sweeping away the digital footprints of agents who suddenly need to vanish. Uh, proud parents uh, document the arrival of the growth of the future CIA officer and all forms of social media that the world uh, can access for decades to, uh, to come. Patrice observed, moreover, we have to figure out how to create the digital footprint for new identities for some of the officers. So uh, you can eventually find out who's tracking you if you have really good stuff, but uh, generally you, can, you, can, you don't even know you're getting tracked at all. It's hard to argue with that. Online cash is not a spy's friend, but Petraeus has an inadvertent pal in Facebook. Of course, Facebook is part of it, and always was. It, was. it wasn't started with a little front prune that you see. It was started by big money that was suddenly invested. You don't give big millions of bucks to a little pimply-faced prune, folks. 
Anyway, it says, Why, with the arrival of Timeline, Facebook made it easy to backdate your online history. Barack Obama, for instance, hasn't been on Facebook since his birth in 1961, and whatever country that was. Creating new identities for CIA non-official cover operatives has arguably never been easier. It says, Thanks, Zook. It spies. Thanks, Zook. So anyway, uh, this is the way it's all going. And it's nothing new. They've shown you all this in lots of movies. There was a good television series in Britain that people should watch. It's a bit slow to start before you get into all the the plots to do with how they track everybody across the planet instantly. And and it's called The Last Enemy. I think it's maybe a four or five part series. But it was certainly well done. And partly, too, it was put out there to to make the, the, the reader feel helpless or the watcher feel helpless because they've gone so far already. And that's about two or three year old, that series, maybe more. And of course, that's always been their goal. So there's nothing new in that at all whatsoever. Now, it's quite interesting to do with um, how color revolutions start. And we, we find that USAID is nothing more than a branch of the CIA abroad and gets a lot of funding through to organizations that are having covert plans to bring down governments in other countries. Uh, but we also know that uh, they use mass media for doing it. They use, again, Twitter, Facebook, and everything else. Uh, and uh, Hillary Clinton herself has talked about how wonderful this is. They even had Zuckerman on board with it for some of the countries that were taken down. But they're using it at home now as well, as you well know. And uh, we have the article here. There's two or three. I'll put all these links up tonight, by the way. But about um, the Coney 2012, they're using, they're trying to get public opinion. And that's the first thing you do for wars, get public opinion on board so that you say to government, oh, do something about that. And it's easy to do it if you show any kind of video in a slanted way, which they generally do. All your news is slanted in one way or another. So the Coney 2012, of course, uh, was to get folk re- all, all angry about the child armies they have in parts of Africa. They never mentioned Latin America, too, that they had them for, for years and so on. But uh, again, Hollywood was behind it, a big funding from Hollywood boys, because they, like, they, they now believe it's their place to change not just the culture of, you, of your own country, which they've done drastically, but change the world as well. So it's big funding, and the foundations put money into it as well. So the, the Coney 2012 filmmaker, uh, they made their little front man, you know, it just couldn't handle it, and he ended up flaking out in public, probably on LSD or something, and maybe a bit of ecstasy as well, and, and probably coke too, because he was really hyper, and uh, just stripped naked, buff naked in public, and... Um, started walking through traffic, pounding on them and masturbating in front of them, which proves that some people, to some people, they can't handle power, it goes to their head. So it says here, um, the co-founder of the charity group behind the fastest spreading internet viral video ever made was arrested Thursday for allegedly being drunk and um, vandalizing cars and masturbating in public. That was the NBC San Diego reported Friday afternoon. And it says... um, Jason Russell, 33, a filmmaker, was reportedly acting strangely when police picked him up off Ingram Street in San Diego around noon on Thursday. Officers claim he was uh, undressing as he ran through the traffic, streaming all the way. And Russell didn't try to resist the officers. The report notes and was sent to a medical facility for treatment. It's not yet clear what substance he was on, if any. 
And of course then Hollywood gets in, oh he's under stress, the poor soul, and he's dehydrated, which actually you will get on ecstasy. And, um, and try see, he's just, uh, he's done a great job and so on and so on and so on. It says, a filmmaker by trade, uh, Jason, uh, graduated from the, from the University of Southern California Film School with a degree in cinema production. The group's website says he admires Oprah, of course. She's, she, by the way, Oprah's uh, been on television there promoting apparently vibrators, uh, for, for mothers to give to their young daughters, if, if you haven't seen that one. Uh, she's got, she's mixed up with good vibrations, you know, from the old, the old song, I guess. Steven Spielberg, Walt Disney, uh, Stephen Jobs, Baz Luhrmann, Dan Eldon, and believes wholeheartedly in magic and the impossible. Well, certainly proved it the other day, because I have never thought, and I guess most folk haven't thought about going around masturbating, uh, as a car was put by you in broad daylight. But I'll put this up tonight, uh, and you'll see a video of it too for those who want to have a little tea, he, etc. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm back cutting through the matrix and I'll also put another, two actual videos up, or two articles too, about um, Jason Russell and it's called The Naked Meltdown and... uh, that also shows you a couple of shots as well. But uh, it's just amazing uh, that uh, he didn't get arrested, of course, because you just don't do that to someone who's suddenly backed by all these famous people and organizations. Anybody else would have been tasered, no doubt, if they were bashing cars that were going past them and masturbating, etc. So, but again, different strokes for different folks, eh? Now, this other article too tonight I'll put up is, says this, we are this far from a turnkey totalitarian state. Big Brother goes live September 2013. And it says, in its April cover story, Wired has an exclusive report on the NSA's Utah data center, which is a must read for anyone who believes in any, that any privacy is still a possibility in the U.S. Actually, there's not any, there's no privacy left at all. We know that. We know that. A project of immense secrecy, it is the final piece of a complex puzzle assembled over the past decade. Its purpose is to intercept, decipher, analyze and store vast swaths of the world's communications as they zap down from satellites and zip through the underground and undersea cables of international foreign and domestic networks. Flowing through its servers and routers and stored in near bottomless databases will be all forms of communication. Uh, including the complete contents of private emails, cell phone calls, Google searches, as well as all sorts of personal data trails, uh, parking receipts, uh, travel itineraries, bookstore purchases, and other digital pocket litter. This amazed me too, because before 1998, they came out with it in Canada, so our omnibus bill before anything was happening, and even the reporters who were never keen to chase up any real story, uh, admitted that they didn't understand why an omnibus, really an anti-terrorism martial law bill was getting ran through Parliament. And it's, it's, they already had so much data on everyone back then, by the way. They had lots and lots of data about every single individual. But uh, they were also checking on everybody's uh, library books, the lists of their books they'd have over the years. Huh? Amazing, eh? Anyway, it's, uh, it was so free, aren't we? Uh, democracy is a great thing. 
And it says the heavily fortified $2 billion centre should be up and running September 2013. In other words, in just over one year, virtually anything one communicates through any traceable medium or any record of one's existence in the electronic medium, which these days is everything, will unofficially be property of the U.S. government to deal with as it sees fit. And it says the code name of the project is Stellar Wind. As Ward says, there's no doubt that it has transformed itself into the largest, most covert, and potentially most intrusive intelligence agency ever created. And as former NSA operative Bill uh, or, or William Binney, who was a senior NSA uh, crypto mathematician, and is the basis for the Wired article, which we can guess makes him merely the latest whistleblower to set up, step up, is America suddenly experiencing an ethical revulsion and quit his job only after he realized that the NSA is now openly trampling the Constitution, says as he holds his thumb and forefinger close together, we are like that far from a turnkey totalitarian, totalitarian state. So this guy was uh, an NSA operative, William Binney, and he's packed it in for the NSA because he, I guess, can't take it anymore. There was a time when Americans still cared about matters such as personal privacy. Luckily, they now have eye gadgets to keep them distracted as they hand over their last pieces of individuality to the czar of conformity. And there are those who just wonder what the purpose of the NDAA is. In the meantime, please continue to pretend that America is a democracy. That's what it says. And... Um, the part of the, the Wired article says, under the construction by contractors with top secret clearances, the blandly named Utah Data Center is being built for the National Security Agency, a project of immense secrecy. It is a final piece in a complex puzzle assembled over the past decade. Its purpose is to intercept, decipher, analyze, and store all the data basically that comes through any form whatsoever, <laughs> any electronic form whatsoever. It says it was the heavily fortified $2 billion center should be up and running in September 2013. So there is no, there's no privacy whatsoever. So let's not kid ourselves. And most of the young don't mind. They were born into this. So they think that anything that's existing when they're born into it is, must be a natural evolution and, and uh, they're quite content. Others, other stuff too is the fact that it's unobtrusive. You don't have someone coming into your call where you're talking to someone and say, oh, this is the NSA. Do you mind not using that terminology or stop talking about that? So it doesn't do it. So it's unobtrusive. So you'll prattle on, you see. You just prattle on. And they've done test after test and test on this, how to make it unobtrusive, even with the cameras. They started in old age homes and they put cameras of all kinds in. And then they found out if the camera is a fisheye camera, and they have ones in the living rooms, kitchen, all over the place. As long as it isn't uh, noticeable, unobtrusive, in other words, people will behave in all sorts of uh, ways, never realizing. They, they literally forget they're being watched. And it's, it's even easier, I think, on the phone. You forget that there's someone listening and recording this forever. You don't just keep it for a year, two years. It's kept for forever. So it's really on, on going the way it's, it was meant to go. You understand that there's nothing in science, nothing in science, uh, that isn't directed. There are people who direct the directions that science go in. And I might talk about that tomorrow if I have time, because it's really, really interesting, the big boys who have talked about this. Back with more after this.
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I'm back. We're cutting through the matrix and and talking about all the spying that goes on in every single individual. Most don't mind. They're already, they've already accepted the fact they're watched and they don't really care again because they say no one intrudes into their phone calls and reminds them they're being listened to and everything's being recorded forever. So you can't really help those people. Uh, they, they like to chat all the time. It's always a lot of nonsense too. You hear them chatting nonsense behind you in a grocery store, just chat, chat, chat. It's just like, well, it's, well, never mind. It's, it's just, well, it's, it's mental masturbation really. They can't keep quiet and think about things. That's really the problem. Focus being brought up now with radios, televisions, all kinds of data screaming at them, and they can't stand silence, so they just talk gibberish wherever they happen to go. And and the, the big boys like the gibberish because it's unconscious thinking that's coming out. It's all the unconscious stuff that, that they drivel on about, and they can get a great personality profile on you. But tonight I'll also put up a, a, a video to, it says Britain pushes for mass surveillance society like they don't have it already, you know. And it says soon you can be watched everywhere you go in the UK. All your emails, texts and phone calls will be monitored and you can even be seen where cameras can't. Again, that's a, a, a technique, the Internet of Things. So if you're, in a, uh, if you're trying to get around the corner and, and write something like George Orwell's 1984, like Winston did, you get around the corner away from the spy screen. Um, they can actually see you there as well because everything is, is literally watching you in your home, even the gadgetry you're buying. It says that this could all be possible with a new anti-terrorism spy plan. Security companies will have real time to access all your personal happenings at the click of a button. As I say, it's been here for ages. You've got to see, as I say, that series called The Last Enemy. You've got to see it. A bit slow for the first episode, but then you get really into what they already had and have been doing for years. Right down to even chipping you eventually, and even down to nano-chipping, nanotechnology, where they were, they were, they were testing it by injecting uh, trial vaccines into people, and then really they're putting in nanochips. So watch that series, and you'll, you'll it's, it's quite interesting. The guy who wrote the series, by the way, said he had to keep updating his story as he was writing it because the technological breakthroughs were coming so fast he had to write them into the script. And this article here is about more of the same, really. It says, um, when people download a film from Netflix to a flat screen or turn on web radio, they could be alerting unwanted watchers to do exactly what they were, are doing and where they are. Spies will no longer have to plant bugs in the home. The rise of connected gadgets controlled by apps will mean that people bug their own homes, said CIA Director David Petraeus. The CIA claims we're able to read these devices via the Internet and perhaps even via radio waves from outside the home. A sudden Internet TV, and it shows you the different devices and so on. Actually, they can have cameras in the middle of the screen. They've had that for years, even before you got the Internet, <laughs> if you didn't know. Everything from remote controls to clock radios can now be controlled via the apps and chip company ARM, ARM, recently unveiled low-power, cheaper chips will be used in everything from fridges and ovens to doorbells. The resultant chorus of connected gadgets will be able to read like a book and even remote-controlled, according to the CIA director Petruis, according to a recent report by Wired's Danger Room blog. 
Petraeus says that web-connected gadgets will transform the art of spying, allowing spies to monitor people automatically without planting the bugs, breaking and entering, or even donning a tuxedo to infiltrate a dinner party. Transformational is an overused word, but I do believe it properly applies to these technologies. And he prattles on having a fantastic time and salivating over all the gadgetry that we are, pay- we are paying for it all. We are paying for all this stuff. We pay for all the research and developments at the universities and so on. And then the patents are given to the big boys for nothing. And, uh, and then they come up and use it on us. Another article, too, is to do with the Agenda 21, which is working. I mean, it's, it's working so well that people are leaving areas. More people are, are going to leave the areas in the, the rural areas of the U.S. because even the post offices are going to cut their staff and, and outlets by about a half, apparently. They're already doing that in Britain, too. There's one from Wales where all the folk are just moving into the big crowded cities because they pull out the banks and then they pull out the post offices and the essentials, and then that's it. you got to head off to the big city. And that's how they get you in eventually to you. It's quite easy. But Agenda 21, which covers a lot of that stuff, talks about some some of the, the, the U.S. states that have caught on to the U.N. Agenda 21. And it says, this guy wrote yesterday about encouraging news coming out of Irving, Texas, where the mayor, Ben Van Dunn, and city manager Tommy Gonzalez pushed back against the globalist takeover of local communities by withdrawing membership from ICLEI. That's the organization that works and weasels themselves onto your board of directors or your councillors and starts making laws. They push Agenda 21. Just today, I'm happy to report that Tennessee lawmakers have passed Joint Resolution 587 by a vote of 72 to 23 to condemn Agenda 21 as a destructive and insidious force. So the language used by the Tennessee lawmakers is worth examination because it is amongst the harshest and most truthful that's been used to spell out the true plan that Agenda 21 has in store for the United States. Contrary to the flowery language that policymakers have used to set Agenda 1, appealing to well-meaning people through the use of words like sustainability, biodiversity, quality of life, smart growth, etc., etc. Um, it says, whereas, whereas the United Nations Agenda 21 is a comprehensive plan of extreme environmentalism, social engineering, and global political control that was initiated at the United Nations Conference on Environment and Development, that's the UNCD, they call it UNCD, held in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil in 92, and whereas the United Nations Agenda 21 is being covertly pushed into local communities throughout the United States of America through the International Council of Local Environmental Initiatives, that's the ICLEI group, through local sustainable development policies such as smart growth, wetlands project, resilient cities, regional visioning projects, and other green or alternative projects. And it goes on and on to, to spell out how they, uh, what they, the language they use in the bill to stop all this. So people in other states should take hold of this and perhaps use it in your own in your own state as well because they're all over the place, this, this, this infiltration group. But then again, you've got IBM on board with them all too with the smart credit cities, smart growth, all this kind of smart stuff. And um, it's not going to be so easy, but it has to be done. And I'm also putting up an article too. It's called The Public School Nightmare by John Taylor Gatto. I've put a few of his uh, articles up. And he says, Why fix a system designed to destroy individual thought? That's the school system. 
So I want you to consider the frightening possibility that we're spending far too much money on schooling, not too little. I want you to consider that we have too many people employed in interfering with the way children grow up. That's all your agencies. And that all this money and all these people, all the time we take out of children's lives and away from their homes and families, neighborhoods, and private explorations gets in the way of education. Isn't it the truth? Isn't that the truth, eh? Since that seems radical, I know, surely in modern technological society it is the quantity of schooling and the amount of money you spend on it that buys value. And yet last year in St. Louis, it says, I heard a vice president of IBM tell an audience of people assembled to redesign the process of teacher certification that in his opinion this country had become computer literate by self-teaching, not through any actions of school. So... I'll put this article up, I've done it before I think, but I'll put it up again to show you how he compares different countries to the US and Canada and elsewhere and how they're always throwing more and more money for poor education, for poor educational outcome. It's just not meant to educate them as a social engineering to make sure they're well behaved uh, and rather um, nervous uh, citizens basically. They're the group thinkers of the modern era. You're not taught to be an individual. You're not allowed to be an individual in school. They want you to be part of the group. Group consensus. You see. And another article too, I'll put up tonight, uh, from another news site to do with the Utah Data Center, the biggest ever domestic spying lab. And also, interestingly too, this governor, Cuomo, uh, New York Senate Majority Leader Skelos and Assembly Speaker Silver announced historic agreement of expansion of DNA data bank. Same character as always pushes stuff, eh? Governor Andrew M. Cuomo, Senate Majority Leader Dean Skelos and Assembly Speaker Sheldon Silver today announced an historic agreement will make New York State the first all-crimes DNA state in the nation. By That's all-crimes. That's even sus- suspected that it's grab you and charge you. Then you get off with it. It doesn't matter. It says, by requiring DNA samples to be collected from anyone convicted of a felony or penal law, misdemeanor. Misdemeanors, right? In addition, the bill also significantly expands defendants' access to DNA testing and comparison both before and after conviction. So before and after conviction. So you get it before you're convicted uh, in appropriate circumstances, as well as your discovery after conviction to demonstrate their innocence. It's a proven fact DNA helps solve crimes. So you don't need people or cops, just need science, you see. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the message here. Uh, prosecute the guilty and protect the innocent, says Governor Cuomo. Of course, you'll have, they'll all have their arms and the companies that are involved in all the gadgetry that needed to take the DNA and so on and so on and so on. This bill will greatly improve law enforcement's ability to keep New York communities safe and bring justice to victims of violent crimes as well as those who have been wrongly convicted. Interesting, the first case they had in Canada, and said, oh, DNA is going to be the ultimate proof. The guy was found guilty, and then it was about four or five years later, they brought over the specialist they brought over from Australia to do the DNA, and she said that she had been influenced by the pressure of the police to say that this was this guy's DNA. It wasn't at all. See how great it is, though, how your mind plays, oh, it must be true, the DNA proves it. No, no, no. Humans will interfere with anything to get what they want. That's the way it's always been. Tonight, Sue wanted to put up the global status of commercial genetically modified crops, and it's a map, a world map of uh, the countries that are in, what they take in, what type of crop they've got, how much they take in, and so on, to show you how it's all across the planet there. 
And you, you'll also find, interestingly, when you go through it, is the, it's mainly the countries uh, and the third world countries where the, the International Monetary Fund has been involved with, with the World Bank and the United Nations, uh, where they've been forced to take all this uh, modified stuff, you know. And um, it's interesting to see particularly what crops they were told to plant and use. So it's uh, very, very interesting indeed. I'll put that up tonight, and you can have a little gander at that. Also, the Earth System Governance Project. Uh, This is important too. It's the largest social science research network in the area of governance and global environmental exchange. Listen to the terminology. This is our international research program takes up the challenge of exploring political solutions and novel, more effective governance systems to cope with the current transitions in the biochemical system of our planet. The normative context of our research is sustainable development. We see earth system governance not only as a question of governance effectiveness, but also as a challenge for political legitimacy and social justice. There's a whole bunch. You begin to see the red flag flying high there, folks. The Air System Governance Project is open to all social and natural scientists who are engaged in research on the governance of coupled socio-ecological systems at all levels. Our global network includes many of the most prominent scientists in the field, along with numerous PhD students and early career researchers. The Air System Governance Project is a core project of the International Human Dimensions Program on Global Environmental Change. All the universities, by the way, are teaching this stuff. So, so even if you're fighting uh, your councils to get these infiltrators out of them, they've just come in like leeches and attached themselves and have got you in Agenda 21. They're already trained all the, st- the students, uh, even before they're into high school, on all this kind of stuff. And then they go and get their, their diplomas in it. It says the website provides information about the project, the concept of Earth System Governance and all their activities. We share updates and relevant events and publications and present the network of lead faculty, research fellows and research centres and affiliated projects. So I'll put that up for you tonight so you can you can see how far they're going. See, when they do a war on something, it's on all fronts, all fronts. Everything, they're into every generation. Even the youngsters at kindergarten are getting brainwashed with all this stuff for the system to come. And then they give stacks of people who probably would never get a job anywhere else and train them that they're the environmental specialists who are now part of, you know, governance. Never elect them, of course. They're just part of governance. They sort of, again, attach themselves to panels and they get appointed as czars by presidents and prime ministers. That's what it is. And sobriety orders to be piloted by government, it says here. In Britain, offenders who do commit alcohol-fueled crimes, that's if you just get out of hand one night, you're too sloshed, are to be monitored with ankle tags and breath-tested to ensure they stop drinking under government plans. So public will have powers to, or the police will have powers to impose sobriety orders on drinkers, caution to remind minor offences such as criminal damage or public disorder. Public disorder didn't used to be a criminal a crime. It used to be a misdemeanor and... Um, came under civic orders, but they've changed everything. They were putting a, throwing a piece of paper away. It's a crime now. There were regular breath tests with known weekend bingers tested, then uh, and ankle tags to monitor movements. The orders will be piloted in England and Wales from next month and are based in a scheme which has been tried out in the U.S. 
So the Prime Minister David Cameron said he wanted to ensure that non-custodial sentences were no longer viewed as a soft option. And since the government wants to change this and make them a proper and robust punishment, he said, the criminals given a community punishment shouldn't be able to enjoy life as it was before uh, during their sentence. That's when they're trying to scrape to get enough money left after taxes to buy a pint. <laughs> and it says that for serious and violent criminals with drink problems, ministers want to introduce new laws in enabling the courts to impose these orders. But it's also GPS, which will actually uh, go off. They'll, they'll tag them wherever they go, but it'll go off when they enter up any pub. Any pub at all will just go off, then the cops will come along and taser you to death probably. And um, so they're really going ahead with all of this stuff. Technology is just wonderful to government. They love the tech stuff. And they're just dying to try it all out. It's just never-ending, eh? Now, I'm going to put up an article tonight, too. You've got to read this because it's on the monopoly of force. And it's... um, it's from some of the big boys, again, the big think tanks that uh, work for the military. The nexus of DDR and SSR, and uh, says, uh, edited by Malene A. Civic. Where did they get these names? It can't be the real names. And Michael McClosick, I think it is. And um, it says, Institute for National Strategic Studies, National Defense University. So, uh, Center for Complex Operations. So yeah, I'll put this, uh, as I say, PDF up tonight for those who can bother to read anymore uh, without having to have a video or, or flowcharts. <laughs> I love these flowcharts. You can convince anybody with anything, but anything, if you use a flowchart. And, and now all the big boys use them. Eh? Oh, dear. But um, another one, too, is to show you how far ahead they were to invade Iran long ago, 2009. Uh, from the Saban Center of Middle East Policy for the Brookings Institution, which part to Persia. I'll talk about this when I come back from this break. Hi folks, we're cutting through the matrix and just before we go to a caller, as we mentioned, as I say, this Brookings Institution uh, PDF, which I'll put up tonight too, is called Which Path to Persia? And 2009 it was written, they go through like a Machiavellian strategy of how to try and get China and Russia on board with it to just go in an attack and why China might object and how to get around China and why Russia might object and how to get around. Really Machiavellian. This is how they, they do it in intelligence circles. And, holy, you know, two, three years ago, and, of course, only last month, um, we had that in the papers. A Russian approached by the U.S. to be on board said no, and China said no as well. So they're still trying. But the plan, nothing happens spontaneously. Everything's worked out in intelligence services, services years ahead with all these institutions uh, that, uh, uh, that are probably we're all paying indirectly for uh, to figure out the next big battle. And either that, they use color revolutions, as I say, and create Twitter virus uh, videos and things like that. But uh, I'll go to Don in, um, in the States. So are you there, are you there Don? Yes, I'm here. Yes, go ahead. Yeah, yeah so uh, I was thinking about uh, this movie coming out, The Hunger Games. Yeah. And uh, my wife had actually uh, been reading the book, so I uh, had told her about 1984. She said it sounded very similar, and 
you know, the kind of synopsis with that. So anyway, I read them, and, you know, they're fairly entertaining. But what was really interesting is I was listening to Alex Jones, and they were talking about America 2050, mm-hmm. uh, a website <clears throat> which was breaking down America into uh, mega regions. Yeah. And so when I checked that out, I went to the website. They had kind of broken down into 12 regions, all linked by high-speed rail. Mm-hmm. And then in, in this book, The Hunger Games, there's 12 regions. They all specialize in producing a certain thing, like farming or fishing and whatnot. Yeah. And they're all linked by high-speed rail. So I just was thinking about how you talk about the predictive programming mm-hmm. and how that shows up in you know different types of media, books, television. Oh, even, even the regions for the U.S. were... Uh, were being published over 20 years ago. How they break it down into regions, uh, and how they get folk away from the coastal areas. They don't want the people living near the coastal areas. They've already done it in some countries, really pushing Australia to get them off the coastal areas too. In fact, Australia just had a massive, one of the world's largest conservation areas of the sea put under the United Nations as well, and it's put thousands of fishermen just out of work. They can't fish there anymore, just like Canada got on the East Coast. So food is a weapon, of course, always been a weapon, and you'll be left with nothing more than these farmed, these genetically modified farmed fish, which will do a lot more to your system, just like the, the GM uh, crops have done too. Uh, it's not to make you healthy or intelligent, it's to dumb us all down because pretty sick in weeks so we don't live too long. So, uh, again, the United Nations apparently is eventually to d- distribute all the food. Uh, we'll send it all to them, their depots, and they have to distribute across the whole planet. That was the old agenda. That's as old as 1919. They came out with that under the League of Nations, and then they reiterated that in the United Nations. Yep. So they will be the distributors of the food. Yep. Yep. Well, thanks a lot, Alan. Have a great night. And you too. Thanks for calling. Yep, it's the same thing with the food. Everything else will be, come from a common source, and you'll get your quota off it. And they spelled that out. Look at the Charter of the United Nations and their agenda. Look at all the stuff in past years have put out. And they tell you where they're taking us on. But for Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you.